Chapter Second of The Heart of Mid Lothian by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. And thou, great god of Aquavida, what sways the empire of this city when foul we're sometimes capernoidi? Be thou prepared to save us from that black banditti the city guard ferguson's daft days captain john porteous a name memorable in the traditions of edinburgh as well as in the records of criminal jurisprudence was the son of a citizen of edinburgh who endeavoured to breed him up to his own mechanical trade of a tailor the youth however had a wild and irreclaimable propensity to dissipation which finally sent him to serve in the corps long maintained in the service of the states of holland and called the scotch dutch here he learned military discipline and returning afterwards in the course of an idle and wandering life to his native city his services were required by the magistrates of edinburgh in the disturbed year seventeen fifteen for disciplining their city guard in which he shortly afterwards received a captain's commission it was only by his military skill and an alert and resolute character as an officer of police that he merited this promotion for he is said to have been a man of profligate habits an unnatural son and a brutal husband he was however useful in his station and his harsh and fierce habits rendered him formidable to rioters or disturbers of the public peace the corps in which he held his command is or perhaps we should rather say was a body of about one hundred and twenty soldiers divided into three companies and regularly armed clothed and embodied they were chiefly veterans who enlisted in this cogs having the benefit of working at their trades when they were off duty these men had the charge of preserving public order repressing riots and street robberies acting in short as an armed police and attending on all public occasions where confusion or popular disturbance might be expected the lord provost was ex officio commander and colonel of the corps which might be increased to three hundred men when the times required it no other drum but theirs was allowed to sound on the high street between the luckenbooths and the netherbow poor ferguson whose irregularities sometimes led him into unpleasant recontras with these military conservators of public order and who mentions them so often that he may be termed their poet laureate thus admonishes his readers warned doubtless by his own experience good folk as ye come from the fair bide yont fray this black squad 
there's na sick savages elsewhere allowed to wear cockade in fact the soldiers of the city guard being as we have said in general discharged veterans who had strength enough remaining for this municipal duty and being moreover for the greater part highlanders were neither by birth education nor former habits trained to endure with much patience the insults of the rabble or the provoking petulance of truant schoolboys and idle debauchees of all descriptions with whom their occupation brought them into contact on the contrary the tempers of the poor old fellows were soured by the indignities with which the mob distinguished them on many occasions and frequently might have required the soothing strains of the poet we have just quoted o oh, soldiers for your sin dear sakes for scotland's love the land of cakes give not her bairns sick deadly pakes nor be say rude with firelock or lockaber axe as spill their blood on all occasions when a holiday licensed some riot and irregularity a skirmish with these veterans was a favourite recreation with the rabble of edinburgh these pages may perhaps see the light when many have in fresh recollection such onsets as we allude to but the venerable corps with whom the contention was held may now be considered as totally extinct of late the gradual diminution of these civic soldiers reminds one of the abatement of king lear's hundred knights the edicts of each succeeding set of magistrates have like those of goneril and regan diminished this venerable band with the similar question what need we five and twenty ten or five and it is now nearly come to what need one a spectre may indeed here and there still be seen of an old grey-headed and grey-bearded highlander with war-worn features but bent double by age dressed in an old-fashioned cocked hat bound with white tape instead of silver lace and in coat waistcoat and breeches of a muddy-coloured red bearing in his withered hand an ancient weapon called a lockaber axe a long pole namely with an axe at the extremity and a hook at the back of the hatchet this hook was to enable the bearer of the lockaber axe to scale a gateway by grappling the top of the door and swinging himself up by the staff of his weapon such a phantom of former days still creeps i have been informed round the statue of charles the second in the parliament square as if the image of a stuart were the last refuge for any memorial of our ancient manners and one or two others are supposed to glide around the door of the guard-house assigned to them in the luckenbooths when their ancient refuge in the high street was laid low 
this ancient corps is now entirely disbanded their last march to do duty at hollow fair had something in it affecting their drums and fifes had been wont on better days to play on this joyous occasion the lively tune of jockey to the fair but on his final occasion the afflicted veterans moved slowly to the dirge of the last time i came o'er the muir but the fate of manuscripts bequeathed to friends and executors is so uncertain that the narrative containing these frail memorials of the old town guard of edinburgh who with their grim and valiant corporal john dew the fiercest looking fellow i ever saw were in my boyhood the alternate terror and derision of the petulant brood of the high school may perhaps only come to light when all memory of the institution has faded away and then serve as an illustration of kay's caricatures who has preserved the features of some of their heroes in the preceding generation when there was a perpetual alarm for the plots and activity of the jacobites some pains were taken by the magistrates of edinburgh to keep this corps though composed always of such materials as we have noticed in a more effective state than was afterwards judged necessary when their most dangerous service was to skirmish with the rabble on the king's birthday they were therefore more the objects of hatred and less that of scorn than they were afterwards accounted to captain john porteous the honour of his command and of his corps seems seems to have been a matter of high interest and importance he was exceedingly incensed against wilson for the affront which he construed him to have put upon his soldiers in the effort he made for the liberation of his companion and expressed himself most ardently on the subject he was no less indignant at the report that there was an intention to rescue wilson himself from the gallows and uttered many threats and imprecations upon that subject which were afterwards remembered to his disadvantage in fact if a good deal of determination and promptitude rendered porteous in one respect fit to command guards designed to suppress popular commotion he seems on the other to have been disqualified for a charge so delicate by a hot and surly temper always too ready to come to blows and violence a character void of principle and a disposition to regard the rabble who seldom failed to regale him and his soldiers with some marks of their displeasure as declared enemies upon whom it was natural and justifiable that he should seek opportunities of vengeance being however the most active and trustworthy among the captains of the city guard he was the person to whom the magistrates confided the command of the soldiers 
appointed to keep the peace at the time of wilson's execution he was ordered to guard the gallows and scaffold with about eighty men all the disposable force that could be spared for that duty but the magistrates took farther precautions which affected porteus's pride very deeply they requested the assistance of part of a regular infantry regiment not to attend upon the execution but to remain drawn up on the principal street of the city during the time that it went forward in order to intimidate the multitude in case they should be disposed to be unruly with a display of force which could not be resisted without desperation it may sound ridiculous in our ears considering the fallen state of this ancient civic corps that its officer should have felt punctiliously jealous of its honour yet so it was captain porteus resented as an indignity the introducing the welch fusiliers within the city and drawing them up in the street where no drums but his own were allowed to be sounded without the special command or permission of the magistrates as he could not show his ill-humour to his patrons the magistrates it increased his indignation and his desire to be revenged on the unfortunate criminal wilson and all who favoured him these internal emotions of jealousy and rage wrought a change on the man's mien and bearing visible to all who saw him on the fatal morning when wilson was appointed to suffer porteus's ordinary appearance was rather favourable he was about the middle size stout and well-made having a military air and yet rather a gentle and mild countenance his complexion was brown his face somewhat fretted with the sears of the smallpox his eyes rather languid than keen or fierce on the present occasion however it seemed to those who saw him as if he were agitated by some evil demon his step was irregular his voice hollow and broken his countenance pale his eyes staring and wild his speech imperfect and confused and his whole appearance so disordered that many remarked he seemed to be fay a scottish expression meaning the state of those who are driven on to their impending fate by the strong impulse of some irresistible necessity one part of his conduct was truly diabolical if indeed it has not been exaggerated by the general prejudice entertained against his memory when wilson the unhappy criminal was delivered to him by the keeper of the prison in order that he might be conducted to the place of execution porteus not satisfied with the usual precautions to prevent escape ordered him to be manacled 
this might be justifiable from the character and bodily strength of the malefactor as well as from the apprehensions so generally entertained of an expected rescue but the handcuffs which were produced being found too small for the wrists of a man so big-boned as wilson porteous proceeded with his own hands and by great exertion of strength to force them till they clasped together to the exquisite torture of the unhappy criminal wilson remonstrated against such barbarous usage declaring that the pain distracted his thoughts from the subjects of meditation proper to his unhappy condition it signifies little replied captain porteous your pain will soon be at an end your cruelty is great answered the sufferer you know not how soon you yourself may have occasion to ask the mercy which you are now refusing to a fellow-creature may god forgive you these words long afterwards quoted and remembered were all that passed between porteous and his prisoner but as they took air and became known to the people they greatly increased the popular compassion for wilson and excited a proportionate degree of indignation against porteous against whom as strict and even violent in the discharge of his unpopular office the common people had some real and many imaginary causes of complaint when the painful procession was completed and wilson with the escort had arrived at the scaffold in the grass market there appeared no signs of that attempt to rescue him which had occasioned such precautions the multitude in general looked on with deeper interest than at ordinary executions and there might be seen on the countenances of many a stern and indignant expression like that with which the ancient cameronians might be supposed to witness the execution of their brethren who glorified the covenant on the same occasion and at the same spot but there was no attempt at violence wilson himself seemed disposed to hasten over the space that divided time from eternity the devotions proper and usual on such occasions were no sooner finished than he submitted to his fate and the sentence of the law was fulfilled he had been suspended on the gibbet so long as to be totally deprived of life when at once as if occasioned by some newly received impulse there arose a tumult among the multitude many stones were thrown at porteous and his guards some mischief was done and the mob continued to press forward with hoops shrieks howls and exclamations a young fellow with a sailor's cap slouched over his face sprung on the scaffold and cut the rope by which the criminal was suspended others approached to carry off the body either to secure it a decent grave or to try perhaps some means of resuscitation captain porteous was wrought 
by this appearance of insurrection against his authority into a rage so headlong as made him forget that the sentence having been fully executed it was his duty not to engage in hostilities with the misguided multitude but to draw off his men as fast as possible he sprung from the scaffold snatched a musket from one of his soldiers commanded the party to give fire and as several eye-witnesses concurred in swearing set them the example by discharging his piece and shooting a man dead on the spot several soldiers obeyed his command or followed his example six or seven persons were slain and a great many were hurt and wounded after this act of violence the captain proceeded to withdraw his men towards their guard-house in the high street the mob were not so much intimidated as incensed by what had been done they pursued the soldiers with execrations accompanied by volleys of stones as they pressed on them the rearmost soldiers turned and again fired with fatal aim and execution it is not accurately known whether porteus commanded this second act of violence but of course the odium of the whole transactions of the fatal day attached to him and to him alone he arrived at the guard-house dismissed his soldiers and went to make his report to the magistrates concerning the unfortunate events of the day apparently by this time captain porteus had begun to doubt the propriety of his own conduct and the reception he met with from the magistrates was such as to make him still more anxious to gloss it over he denied that he had given orders to fire he denied that he had fired with his own hand he even produced the fusee which he carried as an officer for examination it was found still loaded of three cartridges which he was seen to put in his pouch that morning two were still there a white handkerchief was thrust into the muzzle of the piece and returned unsoiled or blackened to the defence founded on these circumstances it was answered that porteus had not used his own piece but had been seen to take one from a soldier among the many who had been killed and wounded by the unhappy fire there were several of better rank for even the humanity of such soldiers as fired over the heads of the mere rabble around the scaffold proved in some instances fatal to persons who were stationed in windows or observed the melancholy scene from a distance the voice of public indignation was loud and general and ere men's tempers had time to cool the trial of captain porteus took place before the high court of justiciary after a long and patient hearing the jury had the difficult duty of balancing the positive evidence of many persons and those of respectability who deposed positively 
to the prisoners commanding his soldiers to fire and himself firing his piece of which some swore that they saw the smoke and flash and beheld a man drop at whom it was pointed with the negative testimony of others who though well stationed foreseeing what had passed neither heard porteous give orders to fire nor saw him fire himself but on the contrary averred that the first shot was fired by a soldier who stood close by him a great part of his defence was also founded on the turbulence of the mob which witnesses according to their feelings their predilections and their opportunities of observation represented differently some describing as a formidable riot what others represented as a trifling disturbance such as always used to take place on the like occasions when the executioner of the law and the men commissioned to protect him in his task were generally exposed to some indignities the verdict of the jury sufficiently shows how the evidence preponderated in their minds it declared that john porteous fired a gun among the people assembled at the execution that he gave orders to his soldiers to fire by which many persons were killed and wounded but at the same time that the prisoner and his guard had been wounded and beaten by stones thrown at them by the multitude upon this verdict the lords of justiciary passed sentence of death against captain john porteous adjudging him in the common form to be hanged on a gibbet at the common place of execution on wednesday eighth september seventeen thirty six and all his movable property to be forfeited to the king's use according to the scottish law in cases of wilful murder End of chapter second